5 of Good Grief, a podcast dedicated to having a real and honest conversation about mourning and loss. Each episode is based on a theme that we'll unpack with expert interviews, novice slice-of-life anecdotes, and where appropriate, some relevant cultural references. Full disclosure, at the beginning of 2018, I lost my mom to a very brief but brutal fight with lung cancer. She was 57. We were incredibly close, and I'm pretty lost without her. For now, this podcast is mostly a journal of my personal experience. I hope this is helpful for you because it truly has been for me. From what I've learned, this process can be excruciatingly painful alone, but I think if we take some time to share our stories and lend our ears, we can all walk away with some good grief. This week's theme, weddings and funerals. Sitting alone in a bright event hall in Eagle Rock, California, I watched behind a small reservoir of tears as one of my childhood best friends turned the corner in her seamless white wedding dress and took her paces down the aisle. I hadn't always been a wedding crier, or much of a crier at all, but in the months after my mom had passed, I had a lot of work to do in the way of house training my emotions. To be fair, the decision to attend this wedding was not an easy one to make. My mom was quite fond of Kathy, the woman getting married, and as recently as a few years back, we had all made pizza and drank wine together at my mom's house. My mom was extremely happy for her. This wedding was exactly one week after my mom's memorial. My mom's memorial was about five weeks after she passed, and six weeks before that, my mom, fiancé, and I were looking at this same event hall as a potential venue for my own wedding. It was the last normal day we had with her. I am what you'd call an extrovert. I'm one of those freaks who would normally be excited by the prospect of attending a wedding alone. In the wake of current events, though, I was pretty small talkless. It was going to be all big talk. And nobody wants to big talk with strangers at a wedding. At least not until they've had enough to drink. I could just imagine how the conversations would go. Where are you from? Berkeley, but I actually flew down a week ago for my mom's funeral. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's great that you got the time off of work to be with your family, though. Actually, I got laid off a few days after she passed, and it's mostly just me and my stepdad and a lot of unbearable idle time, but but thank you. Thank you. Of course, it, it didn't go that bad. After the service, Kathy's dad, who I hadn't seen since graduating high school, recognized me as the guy who'd worn a platinum tux to his daughter's prom, and with the tact and finesse reserved only for fathers of brides, discreetly gave me his condolences. There was a weight in his words of unimaginable empathy. Perhaps it was just the day, the idea of dying before his daughter's own wedding, before this incredible joy that he was currently in the throes of. I found my seat at what I had picked up was the cool kids table, thank you Kathy. Not knowing anyone outside of recognizing them for social media, I wasn't much to talk to. That isn't to say that they didn't make some valiant attempts to bring me in, I just wasn't there. Eventually someone took pity on me and engaged me in a long talk about the evolution of the band The National, something I could literally talk about for weeks, until they politely found something more interesting to do. At some point, the table cleared and I was alone. Not sure for how long, but long enough for Kathy to find me on the most important day of her life and ask me to dance. I think it was Prince, and there were only two of us on the dance floor. 
It was a Herculean act of compassion and grace on her part. We did not say much. Dancing was plenty. Maybe it seemed small, but it was like she was reminding me that as her friend, I had an identity that was bigger than the tragedy that I was in the midst of. She gave me perspective, which sounds like too small of a word for it, but I guess that's what we would call it. Up until this day, I had been doing what I thought was really good. I hadn't been ugly crying in public or hiding away in my dark apartment. I'd been functional. I'd even given a speech at my mom's memorial, packed with laughs, and I'd gotten through it without so much as a crack in my voice. But this day was the first time that I realized that happiness and sadness are really poor indicators of my mental health or ability to cope with grief. See, I really wanted to not be sad that day. And what I was discovering was that the way I felt was no longer a choice I could make or control. And while that on the surface may sound like some inspirational bullshit quote that you'd find on Instagram, it was deeply unsettling to experience at one of your best friend's weddings. Weddings in America are a $72 billion industry, with the average wedding costing north of $33,000, the average price per guest around $260. That's about 2.5 billion weddings each year. In America, weddings and business are inseparable. In fact, weddings as we know them today, large-scale Disney princess productions have only existed for the last 200 years. Prior to that, up until the early 19th century, there were relatively intimate happenings, more like transactions really, based on the relative economic benefit to be gained by both families. They would have a small, mostly legal ceremony in the home, and then a public announcement at church. The wedding industry now is booming, and every year the standard gets increasingly more elaborate. Destination bachelor and bachelorette parties, expensive rehearsal dinners, bespoke desserts, etc. By contrast, the funeral industry in America is in decline. Insert clever pun here about how the funeral business is dying. As we become more secular in our society, the need to have traditional November rain-style wakes has tapered off dramatically, causing the cost of such events to skyrocket by more than 1,300% in the last four decades. The average cost of a funeral in 1960 was $700. Today, it's around 10 grand. About 42% of people are cremated these days, and in 1960, it was about 35 Our need for ceremony has not changed, but what has changed is our relationship with mortality. My family was not an exception. My mom didn't have a will or a life insurance policy. We had no idea who to contact about her remains or how to divide up the assets. So if you're ever in this situation, here is what will likely happen. You will need to get an attorney to draft you a will. It might go back and forth a few times depending on your situation, and yes, each revision will cost you more money. You will need to have the attorney email you the will and ask the nice but seriously underslept people at the hospital to let you use their printer. 
You will feel guilty and entitled at the same time. It's okay, they deal with this sort of thing every day. You will need to have the sick person sign it. Now, this is sort of tricky because depending on their level of sedation at the time of the signature, the doctor will likely have to test their cognition to see if they're fit to sign. Because my mom couldn't talk, her intensivist had her answer the following questions in writing. What year is it? 2018. How old are you? 57. Where are we? Glendale. Who is the president? To which my mom replied by setting the pen down, looking the doctor directly in the eye and deliberately nodding her head, no. She was not going to use the very little energy she had left to write Donald Trump's name. Needless to say, she passed with flying colors. After you have the legal stuff squared away, you will need to figure out what the sick person wants to have done with their remains. Heads up, this is a fucking hard conversation. Honestly, it will be harder on you than it is on them. My mom asked that anything usable be donated to science or medicine, and then she asked to have what was left be cremated and turned into a tree. Next, a social worker will come talk to you about what to expect and give you options for the remains. You will not remember anything they say to you as it will be drowned out by the sound of your own sadness and shock. Next, a priest will come, regardless of your religious beliefs. You will be very nice to this person, but also harbor deep resentment for their ability to believe in an afterlife or any kind of divine order in which taking your mom so young and so fast was part of God's plan. You will tell yourself that these are simply precautionary measures. There is still hope, because giving up hope feels like some kind of awful betrayal. You will toggle between this feeling and a feeling that you need to be realistic with the likely outcomes in order to protect yourself. You will stay in the hospital for the following hours. You will watch as the nurses who loved your mom and promised her she'd dance at your wedding kiss her head and break down in front of you. Their vulnerability will make you feel intensely empathetic for all human suffering. You will hold her hand until the end. Someone you have never seen before will come and make the official declaration. Then you will wait until they take the body. It won't take long. Your mom's best friends will take care of most of this for you and you will be immeasurably grateful for them. You should also ask for many copies of the death certificate. Life goes on. There is work to be done. My mom had two weddings, and I attended both. The first, to my father, took place in St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas in January of 1983. My mom was about eight weeks pregnant. Get it? Kind of attended, kind of didn't attend. It, it works for this. It's Just go with it, okay? The young couple had flown back from Hollywood for the event. The circumstances weren't traditional, but the bride and groom were very much in love. According to the Hot Springs Sentinel record, it was an intimate event and the couple was very well done up. In fact, about two-thirds of the article was just about my mom's wedding dress. My folks tried very hard to bury their southern roots when they moved to California and they clearly were overcompensating with their very hip duds. I don't think we should call it a shotgun wedding, but... The eminent baby bump was definitely a catalyst. The story of my mom and dad's courtship and eventual divorce is legendary, involves a lot of talking heads and cocaine and Aquanet. I'll spare you the gory details, but as I understand it, my dad is and always has been cool. Classic cool. 1949 Plymouth driving, leather jacket wearing, lighting a cigarette off of your own stubble kind of cool. He was a professional artist in his early 20s living in Hollywood in the 80s. We've always had addiction in our blood, 
and he had a lot to prove and a lot to learn, but mostly a lot to lose. He wouldn't fully grasp that until it was too late. My mom's second wedding, 20 years later, to my stepdad showed her full new age transformation. They were wed on top of a mountain at a meditation center in Ojai, California. My mom had mostly corresponded with her new husband, a former performance artist and museum curator from Newcastle, England, over the internet. Their wedding was officiated by my mom's friend Steve, and I played an acoustic rendition of Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division and performed an original poem. Thank God there is little to no footage of that event. They were in their early 40s, and they loved like teenagers. My mom was so impressed by him, and he was enamored with her. They changed my perception of love and family and age and time. Of course, my mom's biggest caveat was that he and I get along, that he accept me no matter what. She had no idea how much we'd need each other or how close we'd become when she passed away 15 years later. Robert Frank's 1950s-era paradigm-changing book of photography, The Americans, is said to be the most honest and unflinching depiction of this country of all time. In its 83 images of the gritty, stark, racially divided United States, five are of funerals or depict scenes of death and mourning. And there are zero images of weddings. If the book were published today, surely that ratio would be reversed. We live in a youth-obsessed society. The anti-aging market is worth more than $250 billion globally. I mean, how many Snapchat filters exist just to take away your wrinkles? We fetishize purity to shield us from our own fragile, paper-thin mortality. But funerals, funerals are good for you. They're good for you in the way that all hard things are. You likely won't experience any kind of closure. You will probably leave feeling worse than you did when you came, but you will be surrounded by people experiencing the same acute pain that you are. And that is rare and a sacred thing. Both my father and my stepdad were at my mom's memorial, and it was the first time they were in the same place since my college graduation. I have an estranged relationship with my dad, we're working on it, and growing up, my mom and dad were the kind of divorced parents that talked mostly through lawyers. Of course, this was all before my stepdad's time, and he doesn't hold any of this over my dad. My dad showed up alone which I thought was an incredibly brave thing to do surrounded by 200 of my mom's biggest fans. He hadn't had a real conversation with her in more than 20 years. Like most of us, he thought there was going to be more time, that they might make amends. 
When I called him to tell him she had passed, there was just so much regret in his voice. He gave a, a deeply personal and heartfelt speech about their puppy love and stayed for hours, giving and getting hugs. At some point, my stepdad embraced him and he said, thank you for giving her the thing she wanted most, a son. To which my dad replied, and thank you for giving her what I couldn't, your love. This has been episode five of Good Grief. Thank you so much for listening. I just want to mention again that while the strategies for coping with grief that I've talked about in this podcast or other podcasts have worked for me, I'm not a trained professional. I'm just a guy with a liberal arts degree who watches a lot of YouTube videos and has a lot of free time on his hands. So if you or someone you know is going through a hard time, please do not hesitate to seek the help of a doctor or clinician. As always, if you have any questions or comments or feedback, or you just want to talk, feel free to reach out on Twitter or Instagram at Blake of Today, or just shoot me an email at blakeoftoday at gmail.com. I will close with the timeless words of young Ian Curtis from the song that I performed at my mom's second wedding. I hope this rendition goes better than that one. And the resentment rides high, but emotions won't grow. We are changing our ways taking different roads than love. Love will tear us apart again. Thank you. The bedroom so